there's a handout in the lobby for the lesson this evening. If you're watching online, uh, we did send that out through email uh, as well, and it will be posted on, on Facebook as part of the, the lesson content. This lesson's uh, coming from a study on God's commandments by Larry Swaim. Uh, I've used his material uh, quite a bit with, the, with our teen class, and um, I really enjoy his writing and the the lessons that he develops in this particular book is covering just the Ten Commandments called Set in Stone, a study of God's commands. And we're going to specifically pick out number three. Uh, we went through um, lesson eight, nine, and ten last year uh, in this class uh, when I filled in for a few weeks. And um, I picked out one more lesson from this tonight to cover. And I think this particular idea plagues our society, really our world, in, in a big way. And uh, we, we encounter it a lot more now than we have in the past. And specifically, it's command number three. Uh, what is the third command? Number one. Number. Command number three. Yeah, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, we could uh, teach you, the, our, our kids, we teach them a song. Number one, we just begun, God should be first in your life. Number two is the idol rule. Those graven images aren't nice. Number three, God's name should be never spoken in jest. And then number four is the Sabbath for our worship and for rest. Number five, we all should strive to honor father and mother. Number six, don't get your kicks from killing one another. Number seven, life is heaven. When you're true to your mate. Number eight, don't steal and break this rule for goodness sake. Number nine, don't be the kind that goes around telling lies. Number 10, don't covet when you see your neighbor's house or wife. That's just an easy, neat little thing to, neat little way to remember the Ten Commandments. And go back and listen to it and memorize it <laughs> on your own, on your own time. But um, this num- way to remember number three. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. If we can, look at Exodus 20, verse 7. Someone could read that for us. Exodus 20, verse 7. Someone have that? Okay, anyone, Joyce? And then someone could read Deuteronomy 5, 11. Okay. Yep, Exodus 20, verse 7. All right, in Deuteronomy 5, verse 11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless and takes his name in vain. All right, so these are the two places that we find the Ten Commandments. Uh, first, in Exodus 20, also in Deuteronomy 5, and the second, giving of the law. And this third commandment is, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's number one. Number two, what do the following passages reveal about the name of the Lord? It's important for us before we start talking about what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain to just review quickly the the importance of the name of the Lord. The power, the majesty, uh, the praise that is associated with His name and and why it is so special. Uh, And these are just a few passages I picked out. 
There are many, many others, even in the New Testament, that talk about the name of the Lord, doing things in the name of the Lord. And um, we, it's important for us to protect the name of the Lord because the, the, there's power in that name. And Psalm 99, verse 3, if someone can get that for us. Okay, Psalm 103, verse 1. All right, Psalm 105, verse 3. Bill? And then Psalm 145, 21. You want to do it, Joe? Okay. All right, let's just go down quickly through this list. Um, just read each one of those in succession. Okay. Next one. Psalm 103.1. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. All right. Psalm 105.3. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Okay. And last one. Psalm 145.21. Okay, so what do we learn just from those few passages? What are, what are some of the things that, that come out of that regarding the name of the Lord? His name is holy. Yeah. It's the name to be praised, the only name to be praised. It's the only name worthy of worship. What's that? He's the great and awesome God. Yes. Um, Every creature, it says, praises His name forever and ever and ever. Uh, in heaven, the angels, the saints are going to rejoice and praise the name of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So it is a, a name above all names, a name of power, a name that is uh, above every other name. What are some reasons for why someone may use profanity on a regular basis? And this is going to lead into this discussion because oftentimes the name of the Lord is, is coupled with profanity in our culture today. And there, there's a reason why that happens. But what are some reasons why people use, would use profanity? Yeah. Okay, not happy with themselves. Yeah. What else? Out of habit, maybe that's just, yeah, they were raised around it. And they, they just... Say it because that's what they've learned. Okay, what else? Ignorance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. Everybody else is doing it. So to fit in, I've got to do it. Okay. When someone's angry, that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Yeah, it is. It's become a societal norm. More and more we see it, you know, just uh, on TV shows and uh, on the radio. Um, I was listening to, a, a, it would be considered a, a family-rated talk show on the radio the other day. And the host said, so I was like, whoa, <laughs> that came out. I never would have expected it, you know, to, for him to say that. Um, but uh, it was just more and more, it seems like this is happening in society. 
uh, a rebellious person is someone who uses it. Someone who doesn't care about what people think. Uh, their mind is focused on selfish, sinful things. Uh, arrogant. Generally, they have a high level of frustration in their life. I mean, those, that's all part of using profanity, making it every other word that they speak sometimes. Um, and and uh, it's not uncommon, unfortunately, men and women to hear. I, I remember walking through a store not too long ago, and I, I heard two women talking. And it was just one curse word after another. And I just looked over and said, excuse me. I'm like, can you watch your mouth? You know, got kids here and everything. You know, so it's just like a common thing when you're walking through the mall, uh, walking through a store. People use profanity. And it, it really shows the level to which our society um, has, has degraded, but also the level of frustration and, and anger that is in the life of each of the individual. Now, because these are the type of things that come out of someone's mouth when, when they're dealing with major heart issues. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, lack of self-control. Uh, usually it's very flippant. You know, the language is just comes right off their mouth and it's the first thing they think of. So they just they say it. And it just comes very easily because uh, they practice that. Um, so those are some reasons why people would use profanity. But what types of things should come from the mouths of Christians? Let's read these two scriptures. Uh, this is just going to give us a, a little bit of a, an idea of how we're to speak, the, the type of things that are to come out of our mouths. Um, someone, uh, get Ephesians 4.29, okay, Nathan, and then James 1, okay, James 1, 19 through 21. Um, it, it makes a noticeable difference in the, the attitude of a group when there is a lot of profanity and versus when there is no profanity. Now, think about um, what it's like being maybe those of you that, that work, especially, it, it, unfortunately, it's, it's common in construction industries. Um, I was in that kind of industry for many, many years and daily had to be around people where I was telling them, you have to watch your mouth. You're not going to say that kind of stuff around your clients. You knew when we hired you, we told you that's part of our policy. You don't say those things. As soon as people would, or if they wouldn't stop, they were gone. And we couldn't keep them. And so it, the, uh, that in the industries, though, they're in the construction industry. I mean, it's just sometimes one, one word right after another. And, and you're constantly hearing. But what is it like to be around a group of people who speak that way all the time versus a group that doesn't use any profanity, okay? So if you, if you do work in those, or if you can imagine that idea, um, what, are, what are some of the differences in dynamic? What are some of the, the differences in the content of what is spoken about and discussed, typically? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, selfish. Yeah, about what's complaining. What's wrong with my life? And then, yeah, un disrespectful. Then it, so that, that's the content, very shallow type of, of, of speaking and conversation. And then think about a conversation, you're, you're around Christ, your Christian family, friends, and, and you're at an event with them, where, where's some of the conversation, the content that's coming out of a group that doesn't use any language like that at all? Yeah, you get encouragement, there, there's praise, there's love. There's very meaningful, deep conversations, helping each other, um, praying with each other. It's a, much, much, much different content. Now, which one, on the balance scale, which one's going to help society or hurt society the most? Yes. The one without that kind of talk, without that kind of speech, is going to help society a lot more. But what is it that we're seeing in in the shows and in the, the movies and everything of today in today's culture. It's more and more and more of this. And so no wonder you know, the, that individuals put more of that into your brain. That's what's going to come out. That's what, that's what you know, it's, it's just going to be uh, second nature because it's what they hear all the time. That's how they speak at home. That's, how, that's what they listen to when they listen to music. That's what they listen to when they're they're listening to movies and TV shows, and that will affect who they are, how they operate. And ultimately, if the individuals are corrupted by those things, then it's going to corrupt society. Society is going to be worse off for it. And so there's a lot of work to be done in this area of uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. And this is one small way that we can be a huge example uh, in the lives of others. When someone, if you're, especially if you're around a type of workplace or maybe your family, if the, your family is, uh, you know, curses a lot and you're, when you're around them, one of the biggest things that's noticeable is that you, when you're around them is that you don't use that language. People pick up on it very quickly. Why aren't you talking like that? Why, why is it, what, you goody two-shoes? I mean, you go to church every Sunday, don't you? you know, and the, so you, you actually, you, and you, they realize it, and they, they will uh, stigmatize individuals for being like that and, and not participating in that kind of language. So let's read these two passages, because what are the kind of things that are come out of our mouths as Christians? Uh, Ephesians 4.29. We got that. Nathan? Okay, so what kind of talk has come out of our mouth? Wholesome talk, right? Encouraging talk. Nothing unwholesome. And when we do speak, not only should it not be unwholesome, it should be to build someone up. And it should be according to uh, to the occasion, and that it may benefit those who listen. There are a lot of caveats associated with that, um, that type of speech. James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is, that is so prevalent in humbly accept the word planted in 
Okay, so notice how James, he uses the idea of, of moral filth and getting rid of moral filth with this idea of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And uh, I think it's interesting when we, we look at passages like this Matthew twelve thirty four passage where it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we think about that scripture and, all, and what James has said, someone who's quick to use curse words, quick to speak, quick to give their, their uh, opinion, unsolicited opinion, what, what type of things are going on in that person's heart and mind in, in a deeper way? What are, okay, severe anger, yeah, so, and, and dealing with uh, maybe angry, angry at the world or angry at themselves, not satisfied for who they, about who they are. Um, when something very nasty comes out of someone's mouth, people that get angry very quickly, it's, it's a clear picture. It's an easy window right to their heart. And so as Christians... We, we need to guard our, our speech and the things that we say and, and how quickly we say it. That's why James says this, to be quick to listen. And notice how he says quick to listen, slow to speak. So really he's saying quick to listen twice. Slow to become angry. Um, because when, when we're rash, when we lash out, if we have fits of rage and, and we get angry real easily, Really, that's telling those around us, you're dealing with some major sin issues that you need to deal with yourself. There's some big planks sticking out of the eye that need to be removed. And it's an it's a easy window into somebody's heart. So if you have someone that you're close to that gets angry real quick, it's like a hot button, that's, some, that's a thing to really you know, work on with them. Maybe mentor them or, or pray with them. Help them through that struggle and, and, and uh, help them to see the need to, to be slow to listen and, and to not just fly off the handle and be really angry type of person. Um, but especially in the, in the world, when we see people dealing with anger and rage and they get mad really fast, uh, that's a window into their heart. And then when you add cursing, and nasty language to it. It just shows that there's some major struggles that a person needs help with. They need God. They need the Word. They need Christ. And they, they need us to, to be sharing the truth with them um, and to be a good example in this area to them. So what does the word vain mean? Useless. Useless. What else? Thoughtless. Okay, yeah. What? Produce no result. Okay, what else? Without a purpose. Yep. Those are all good. What else? Conceited. What's that? Conceited. Conceited. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could put that in it. Yeah. Empty. Void. Deceitful. Those are all good terms to use for this idea of being vain, taking God's name in vain. But what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Um. Really, if we put those using those terms, 
and we use God's name in a worthless, meaningless way, in a way that doesn't give honor and praise to Him, that is taking the Lord's name in vain without guidance or direction. Um, those who curse and disrespect God, usually when they, when they use His name in vain, they have no problem disrespecting and cursing other people uh, because it's a type of attitude that generalizes. If people disrespect God in this way, they're going to easily disrespect anyone. And this attitude is often evidence of a unfulfilled uh, life without purpose. And people that, that speak this way are struggling with their own self-worth, their, their own ability to, to have a fulfilling life. God says something interesting about this command. Go back and look at Exodus 20, verse 7 again. And what does He say regarding this command? What does He follow it up with? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And then what does it say? Anybody, once you get there. Yeah. God's going to hold you accountable. He's not, in another translation, it says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So this is a, a command that's going to be severely punished. If someone's cursing God, they're going to be punished either in this life or the life hereafter. And um, that should be incentive enough for us to never take God's name in vain. Now thinking back to what the, the Jews would do, what are some of the things you know about Jewish history and, and the respect that they had for the name of the Lord? What were some of the little things that they, they put into place? What's that? They wouldn't say his name. Yeah, yeah. They, they, we, we think we know how they pronounced it. Um, and we use the word Yahweh. And uh, there's many names for God in the Bible. But when you see the, that word Lord, capital L-O-R-D, um, we, we think that they were pronouncing it that way. But really, what did they do? Anybody remember? What's that? Yes, yeah, it meant God to the Jews. But would they, when, they, when they wrote it, what was special about how they wrote it? What's that? Well, they would skip every other letter in the Word. And, and so that they wouldn't somehow just misspell it. Okay? So there, there was little things that they would do to just keep from not profaning the name of God in any way. They didn't want to... They didn't want to get close to it, to you know, it profaning his name, and um, so the the Jews had special little things that they would do with regard to his name, and uh, the Bible says, in for this this particular command, uh, that there's going to be punishment for those who profane the name of the Lord. Now the Bible also says that let your let your yes be yes and your no to be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's look at James uh, 5, verse 12. Somebody else? Read that. James 5, verse 12. 
okay? And then this Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Okay. James 5. Okay, so don't, don't swear, don't curse, don't, don't act like you've got to put any other emphasis on what it is that you said. Especially don't swear by heaven, don't swear by the name of God, just say yes and say no, and let that be your answer. Matthew 5, uh, 33 through 37. All right. So what are some of the things that maybe you've heard where people will will use those ideas and they'll they'll swear by something? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'll swear by my mother's grave. Well what is your mother's grave gonna do for anything, first of all? But you're not supposed to. Yeah, especially when yeah, yeah, especially if she's still alive. Why are you swearing her into the ground? That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, they swear by God. Um, I, I personally don't like the idea, even in our courtroom, that we swear that, yeah, that we swear on the Bible. Yeesh. No, it's not your word to swear by. It's God's word. He's the one that came up with it, not you. You're not attesting to its faithfulness or truthfulness. He is. He's the one that wrote it. And when we say something, yes, our yes is to be yes, our no is to be no. That's it. Don't swear by anything. And um, don't get yourself into that that trouble. Anything more, he says here, is of evil. Anybody else have anything? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. There's an easy way to get out of jury duty. <laughs> Joyce just gave us all a tip. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I just, I personally have issue with that. I, yeah, go ahead. I think it's just degraded the importance of spoken word. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of not going to change whether that person's truthful or not. How many people swearing on that Bible actually know anything about the Bible? 
today. How many have even overopened it? How can you swear by something that you don't even know? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and those of us that, that do know some, and the more, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. But the, if you do know some about the Bible and you swear on it, do you know everything about this? Do you know all the truth contained? Do you know the mysteries behind it? Things that are not explained? No. So you, you, you really have no authority to swear by, this full, by the full Word of God. Yeah, yeah, as, it, as if it's going to be a, a standard that's going to hold me to something. But why isn't that person holding that standard all the other times in their life? Um, so it shouldn't change who we are. It shouldn't change the testimony that we give um, just because we're asked to swear on something. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Names are important. Um, what two names do we wear on a daily basis? Okay, you're a Christian. What else? Okay, your family name. Yeah, yeah. And yes, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, uh, you wear those names with, uh, with great importance. And um, cursing is one way to take God's name in vain, but there are other ways. Uh, the writer here says, my, my mother used to say to me, remember who you are and remember your name. Remember that you have two names, that you bear the family name, that you bear the Christian name. She meant both of those names. Remembering who you are is important. Many of us have had times in our lives when we did not remember whose we were. We did not consider to whom we belonged. When we decide to become a Christian, we're no longer ours. We're no longer our own property. We've died to ourselves. We've said we're going to live for, for Christ and, um, and we are His. We've been bought back by Him. We do, we've done things that were wrong, that brought shame upon us, brought shame upon our family name, that has, things maybe have brought shame on the name Christian. But it's important to remember that to be a Christian is an important title. It's a privileged name, and we wear it. Uh, when we wear it, others are watching, and we need to be sure that we're living up to that name. What does Proverbs 22, verse 1 say? Proverbs 22, verse 1. Okay, and then we'll read this Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Okay. All right, go ahead, John. All right, so we, we all do things that bring shame and reproach upon the name of God as well as upon our own names. And we need to repent of those things when, when they show up in our lives. Uh, but this is one area, this, this command of not taking the Lord's name in vain. Not, not doing anything that will bring reproach or disgrace to His name uh, is one way that, that we can live and improve our Christian name. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a 
Okay, so walk worthy of the name. Do things that are befitting a Christian, especially when it comes to our speech. God's name, number eight, God's name is the most holy, righteous, mighty, reverent name in all the world. Most holy, righteous, mighty, and reverent name in all the world. Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said when he was teaching us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your Anybody finish it? Be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. His name is a name of significance, a name of infinite power, a name of eternal knowledge, the epitome of righteousness, a name that signifies his omniscience and his omnipresence. And we must be very careful not to use his name in vain. And so what are some additional ways that we can take the Lord's name in vain? Uh, one is to not say Jesus Christ as a byword or as an exclamation. Uh, many use that today. Um, many use little euphemisms of that, you know, things that sound like it or that are close to it. And so we need to be very careful to, to not even get close to using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, letter B, be careful not to use euphemisms or abbreviations like gosh. Gosh or golly or OMG when you're texting. Okay, Those are all ways to take the Lord's name in vain, to profane His name. And because you're getting, little, you're getting close. You know, it's like, again, going back to what the Jews did. Don't even get close to saying the name of the Lord. Don't. Don't profane his name in any way. Those are little things that we can do to not uh, modify the name of God. Psalm 96 is a powerful psalm that talks about the name of the Lord, his holiness, how wonderful his name is, how it's a name above all names. Uh, if you want to go and, and read that at some point, uh, read down through that psalm. When Moses talked with God at the burning bush, as God was preparing him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses said that the Israelites would not listen to him. He said, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And he said, Say to the people of Israel, The I am has sent me to you. And what does that mean to be the I am? It's part of who God is, part of his name. What, is it, what does it signify that he's the I am? He's always been. He is. He's with us now. He will be for all the future. It's the name that's always been around, the name that will always be around. And so we, we hold it in high esteem. He's the inclusion of everything that is good and right and powerful. He's done everything possible to provide us with salvation, yet some still curse Him. 
Some still profane his name and use it in vain. Letter C, some use God's name in vain by saying things like, God is dead. There's a couple of popular movies um, that came out not too long ago. They're actually pretty good movies uh, dealing with this idea that God is, God is dead. Some people say that. Um, it became popular in 1968 when some said God had become old and died. And that is using God's name in vain, limiting Him from His unique power and His eternal nature. And it's vanity on the part of the one who thinks that God no longer has any power over anything or that God somehow ceased to exist. God is alive and well and as powerful as ever. Others say there is no God. That's another way to use his name in vain because they're denying what power he has in his name. To deny God is a, a way to take his name in vain because there's evidence certainly in the Bible as well as in the, the world to prove that he's a creator. When we look at the majesty of birth and the mystery of death, the beauty of the heavens and nature itself combined with all the power that's associated with all those things, the power that it took to set them in place and to create them, um, the all-wise, all-knowing, always-present God who created everything, including us, and who made us in His own image, is worthy of praise. And to say there is no God is to, to write Him off and to think that, that we ourselves is God, are God. But some do that and profane His name. Another way is with broken promises. Broken promises. Uh, if we use His name and uh, swear an oath, as we were just talking about before, um, and then break that promise, that brings disgrace to the name of the Lord. And especially if someone swears to, to do something, in particular, and they never planned on doing it. They made the promise knowing that they never could live up to it. That's a, a way to take the Lord's name in vain. Another way is being a liar or hypocrite or disrespectful toward God. If we're frivolous with His name, we use it in a humorous way. Um, sometimes even Christians tell jokes Perhaps they're, they're not necessarily bad or, or evil, but they cast a satirical light on God and on Christianity. And these are ways to take His name in vain. Another way is to not, uh, don't speak for the Lord. That's a way that we can take His name in vain, is if we speak for Him. Um, the interesting circumstance that, with regard to this, that I had uh, visiting someone one time in the hospital, and there happened to be a family member there, and this particular family member was was praying a prayer, and in the prayer was saying things like, "I command you, Lord, to heal this person. By the Spirit of God, I command you, God, to bring this person back to health." 
Yeesh. <laughs> I, was, I was just standing there just waiting for lightning bolts to come through the window. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> to speak that way and to think that, that you actually have some ability to affect what God's going to do or not to do by commanding Him, that's boldness and a level that it should never be. And uh, we have to be very careful to never speak for God because it is bringing reproach to His name and um, makes it seem like we have the power to speak for Him. When people say things like, God told me this. It's popular for preachers, especially those that you watch on TV, to get up and say, well, God just laid this message on my heart. God spoke to me about this. God gave me this, in a dream, or I saw this or this in a dream. And I know God, God said it to me. There are people that believe that about salvation. I know I'm saved. God, God came to me and told me. We have to be very careful to never speak for God. If He's working that way among us, then we don't need this. There's no need for the Word if God's still revealing specific truth to mankind. What is 2 Timothy um, 3, 16 and 17? We'll get a reader. I didn't put these on your paper, but 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Okay, and then Jude verse 3. These are two scriptures that, that pretty much tell us that this is all there is. This is all we need. Let's first go ahead. Okay, so if we can be made complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work by what's in here, what is? there's nothing else left. God's given it to us. He's, he's breathed everything that we need uh, for life and godliness, and we have it contained in His Word. And what's Jude 3 verse say? What Jude verse 3 say? Okay, so the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, the, the message that's been given to us once and for all is contained in the Word of God, and we have it. Another passage that uh, goes along with that is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, uh, where he talks about there um, when the perfect thing comes, and you can do some additional study on your own. But what it's talking about there is this. It's referring to the Word of God in its completed version. And um, we no longer have those miraculous gifts anymore. They have ceased. And that's another way, is letter H, do not use the name of God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit to invoke miracles, because those things don't happen anymore. 
Who were the only individuals that had that ability to do that? Yeah, the apostles and those who, laid, who they laid their hands on. They had those abilities. And it was specific to proclaim the Word of God. And because we have the finished Word, there is no need for those things any longer to prove the messenger and to validate the Word. And then some use God's name for profit. Uh, today, the, the, with the Word completed, we no longer need faith healers, people who, who heal miraculously, asking for healing directly from God. Our prayers to God are just as powerful as someone who would come and would do something like that. But God, some still use God's name for profit. They say things like, if you send me a gift of $100, I'll send you this anointed prayer cloth that's guaranteed to take away your illness. Guaranteed to help you, to heal you. Um, and that's making merchandise of the gospel of Christ. And we were warned, we were warned about that. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 13. It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of thieves. And Jesus turned over the tables, the money changers, because they were making profit over what was going on in the temple. And we, we shouldn't be those type of individuals either. Um, one thing that I think really highlights the, um, the move of society towards physical instead of spiritual. Mm-hmm. When they see things like, um, you know, you'll see greater works than these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blessed is he who has not seen and still believes. Um, there's a greater blessing for those who believe in this, in the completed word of God. If, if we have a gift from God, we should give it away. If someone truly is a faith healer, they shouldn't be charging for it. <laughs> That's the last thing they should be doing. The apostles and the early Christians who did possess those miraculous gifts never charged for it. In fact, they got on to one person in particular who wanted to be able to do them and charge for it. And so um, there's, that's, there's just some other ways that the name of the Lord can be used in a vain way, in a worldly way or meaningless way. And uh, hopefully that study was helpful uh, for you in combating this idea again it's something that's just very prevalent in our culture and you hear it constantly people using god's name and doing these things that that bring reproach to his name and we need to be the type of people that speak out against that and definitely don't do it and participate in them any other comments questions no all right we'll, we'll go ahead and end with a word of prayer we thank you, Lord and God, for your word and for its completed uh, version. 
We thank you, Lord, that we're able to study it and to know it better, to know how to live, how to bring glory to your name. We pray that the things that we do and say in our daily lives would bring honor to you, that they would respect you, and help us in these areas where we're told to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because when we harbor anger, resentment, and lack of, have lack of self-control, it is very easy to bring disgrace to you and into your name and the name Christian. Help us to remember the names that we wear. And we thank you, Father, for the example of your son, Jesus, who was able to, to model his life perfectly in the way that we're to be treating you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.